The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Well, in studying what real connection looks like and what this means, uh, I first had to look at what are some of the obstacles, what are some of the things that we are challenged with as a society. And there is this thing that is growing. It's a very growing trend, a very growing problem in our society, and it's called relational poverty. I'd never really heard of this term before until I started studying this subject. But looking at this term, relational poverty, what does it mean? What is this relational poverty? Well, before we get into the meaning, it, let me just put some few examples out there. You, uh, you can sit in a crowded church, much like this, and be dealing with this very thing where you feel very alone, feel like no one really cares or sees or knows or anything going on with you. You can be a stay-at-home mom feel very alone. Uh, you can work around a lot of people, busy all day long, working beside people, but yet feel very alone. You may be a college student um, and around a lot of peers, at your age, having a lot of fun, and yet when you go back to your dorm room at night, you feel utterly alone. You may be in a dysfunctional marriage. What do you feel? Maybe sleeping next to someone, but feel very alone at night. You may be a successful business person, have risen to the top of your company, um, may even own your own company, doing very well, but yet really struggling on the inside of feeling very alone, that no one really understands you. You really have no one to talk to. You may be a, a great social media or uh, internet marketer, have tens of thousands of followers. And from the outside, what you post on Facebook and Instagram and all these different social media platforms, people think, man, this person has it together. Like, this, golly, I could only be like so-and-so. But yet, if they truly knew you, they may see that you truly feel alone. You may be someone who is struggling financially and feel like, you know what, nobody understands. Nobody gets, nobody's ever been in this situation I'm in right now, like the pressure cooker of what's going on right now. And I really don't see any way out. You know, these are a, a lot of different things that maybe some of us identify with. And we feel alone. And we know if we look at Scripture, we can look at Genesis 2 and 18, and it says that it is not good for man to be alone. God said this himself. He made all creation. He created everything. And takes through all the steps. And as he created things, he was like, this is good, this is good. And he, when he got to the end of it, he was like, this is very good. And then in chapter 2, he kind of gives this breakdown of the whole process of how he created man. And what that looked like. And when he first created man, created Adam. And he's like, Adam needs needs something to do. He needs some, some partners and some, some things to do. So he gives him the animals. But yet, he didn't feel fulfilled. And God saw that. So what did he do? He ended up creating Eve and gave him a partner. And, and they multiplied. And he saw when he after he had stepped back and saw everything, so now this is very good. He realized it was not okay for man to be alone. It's still to this day. It's not okay for us to be alone. We're not wired that way. We're not designed that way. But yet... There's this growing trend of this relational poverty. 
Statistics show there's over 50% of people that are dealing with this very topic, relational poverty, which shows that they're not truly connected. So how do we define this relational poverty? Well, relational poverty is lacking the intimacy and the connections to live a meaningful life. Let me say it again. Relational poverty is lacking the intimacy and the connections to live a meaningful life. I don't know about you, but I want to live a meaningful life. I want to live a meaningful life. And I've, reading this definition in order to do that, I've got to be relationally connected. You may have people all around you, but you don't feel like people care. You may have people all around you, but yet you don't feel like you can open up to anyone. You even may have people around you and yet feel like you really just can't trust. You have people around you, but yet you feel like no one really cares. Now, in doing some research on this, I'm going to say, where is all this coming from? Like, what is attributing to some of these things? Well, experts, the experts, say this in, in their study, that number one, there's four things that have been attributing to this in our society um, today, in developed nations. Number one is the breakdown of families. The breakdown of families. Couples separate. You see this all the time. Couples separate. They've been going to church together for years. They separate. One gets to stay at the church and one has to leave. You see where couples separate. One gets this group of friends. The other gets this group of friends. And these connections that you've built together as a couple are severed, destroyed, and we really, not, we really don't see the wake of all that happens. It's not just about two people. It's about all the other connections that happen as well. And all these connections, how they're severed. Number two is the increased mobility. People are mo more mobile nowadays than ever before. There's more opportunity to work all around the world. You can, it's, it's never been like this before. You can go to a different country and get the same job you have today. It may be a greater opportunity. But yet, looking at opportunity, there's a byproduct to this. You know, it wasn't too many years ago that generations of people would live in the same area for many, many years. This Wisconsin is one of them. It's where generations and generations never move away. Well, this increased mobility has added to those connections not being severed but being damaged in a way that they're not truly strong. I know most of my family lives in the exact same place. I can go back there and see pretty much all of them at one time. Um, that's a little bit of a nightmare sometimes when I go back to visit. Uh, I've, <laughs> when I go to Arkansas to visit, it's more like work. You know, it's not really I go to relax. I'm just going there to run around everywhere and put thousands of miles on my car to see everyone. Um, it's a little bit exhausting, but I love it, and I love my family. Um, but this increased mobility, uh, moving away, not being connected and rooted for many, many years. Number three, experts say that heavy workloads are attributing to this relational poverty. You go up and you ask someone today, like, hey, hey man, how are you doing? I'm tired. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, how's work? It's work, man. It's a lot. Like, it's all, all the time something going on. I'm tired. All this is going on. The boss wants this. boss wants that. You guys all laugh because you know that some of us fall into that 
Um, everybody, you want, hey, you want to go hang out? Man, I would love to. I'm just so busy. You know, we got this and this and this. And sometimes we bring a lot of this on ourselves where we dive into so many different things, especially with our kids. We put them in every sport, every activity, everything that we can possibly do. And we just dive into busyness. And it attributes to the workload. You go down, you lay down at night, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. You finally fall asleep, and the next thing you know, a few minutes later, the alarm clock goes off. You're like, what? It's time to start again? That's, that's the way we, we're living our lives right now. And number four, last but not least, one of the things that, with all the benefits it's been created for, that experts say they're attributing to this relational poverty is the rise of social media. The rise of social media. You know, you take that perfect selfie and you post it on Facebook or Instagram. I'm going to say I'm all about some selfies. I mean, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you know I am just all over the self, selfie machine. I post one at least never. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's just not me, okay? That's some people. That's cool. Whatever you want to do, that's, that's you. But what do we do? We, we, we post that selfie. We post, you know, something that we're interested in or whatever. We go back and we do what? We check our likes and we check our comments and our shares and like, oh, I got like a hundred likes on this. Like, that's so cool, yeah. You know, I spent a lot of time, like 500 takes on that perfect selfie. Um, and we put it out there and we go back and we check it and we check it. And, and what are we doing? We're measuring our value based on likes and shares and comments. We're measuring our value. And we think this is connection, but it's not true connection. It's false connection. We do this to try to meet that longing need for intimacy. But experts say we're actually deferring the loneliness for later. Hmm. It's tough stuff right there. See, we're built for connection. We are built for true connection. And when we are not connected to others in real relationships, then we are lacking something essential to our makeup called real connection. In his book, The Power of the Other, acclaimed leadership expert and psychologist Dr. Henry Cloud states that in the simplest terms, a real connection is one in which you can be your whole self, the real, authentic you, in a relationship to which you can bring your heart, your mind, your soul, and passion. Both parties to the relationship are wholly present, known, understood, and mutually invested. What each truly thinks, feels, believes, fears, and needs can be shared safely. That's what real connection looks like. You know, as I read that, Many of you may be sitting there going, man, I'm not really connected to anybody. Like, that's a lot of stuff. Like, like being your whole self and truly honest, like, that's, some, that's scary. But we've got to work past that. We have to work past it because I'm, I'm, as I was studying this, I could see where I can waver off into this relational poverty and see the damage of it. See, guys, we're made for relationship and we're made for community. You know, we can see a great example of this from Jesus himself. Jesus, as he was growing in ministry, what did he do? He surrounded himself with 12 guys. 
And he poured everything he was into these 12 guys for three years. Everything. They went everywhere with him. He poured into these guys because he wanted them to know who he truly was. Truly, true, authentic, authentic relationship into these guys. And they were authentic and real with each other. It's a great example. Let's look at Acts 1. If you have your, your Bible or you're following us on version, go ahead and turn to, to Acts 1. And I want to tell you, we're going to read something here in just a second. But the first part of this Acts 1, what's happened is uh, Jesus has died. He's come back and he's, he's presented himself to the disciples to, to reassure them that he has, he has risen from the dead. And then just before he ascends into heaven, he tells them, you know, that I'm, I'm about to send the Spirit. And the Spirit is going to give you power on this earth to go into all the world and preach about who I am, to see people be saved and for the gospel message to go forward. And the Spirit is going to give you these things. Now, just after this happens, we're going to pick up in verse 12, and it says this, Then the, the apostles returned to Jerusalem. Just as Jesus ascended, they were no longer known as disciples but apostles. It says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, and Judas. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. During this time when about 120 believers were gathered together in one place, Peter stood up and he addressed them. Let's stop right here for a second. If you read this small part, you're, you're like, just some numbers of people here doesn't really mean a whole lot. I want you to kind of picture your, kind of get a picture of your mind of this setting. Guys, just saw Jesus ascend into heaven. They go back to this house and they, they go into this room and they begin to pray together. It's 11 guys, the apostles. So those 11 guys, we've got Jesus' mother Mary, we've got Jesus' four brothers, and we've got a group of women. So let's say there's about 25, 26 people in all have gathered in this room and they begin to, to pray and ask, God, what is it that you would have us do next? And then we see all of a sudden there's 120 people there. There's 120 people there. Guess what, guys? Real connection is contagious. Real connection is contagious. So these other people, these other 100 people begin to join them. And then they begin to have their first decision as a church. The church has started right here. Begin to have a first decision. They, they vote on who is going to replace Judas as the 12th disciple or the 12th apostle. So they replace him. They have this vote. And then they begin to pray and say, Spirit come. The Spirit, Holy Spirit that Jesus said was going to come. They begin to pray. And the, what happens? The Spirit does show up. Spirit does show up, and they begin to speak in different languages. We, we can read all about this. I encourage you to read, read about it. But what's happening, there's a, there's a festival going on outside. It's a festival of the harvest. And there's people from all over the world that have come to this area to give God praise for the harvest that, that he's given them. And they all speak different languages because they're, they're from all over the, the world. And they start hearing these people speak in a language that they can understand. They realize, wait a minute, these people shouldn't be speaking my language. They shouldn't know 
what they're speaking here. And they begin to understand, like, what they're saying. And they're going, are these people, like, drunk or what? Like, I mean, what is going on here? And uh, so then Peter comes out and he addresses the crowd. And he says, listen, these, these, these people aren't drunk. Come on, it's the middle of the day. This is what Jesus told us would happen. This is what, this is what the scriptures have said. This would happen. See, you murdered the Messiah. You killed him. He said this would happen. This is who Jesus really is. And then he, this is the spirit that has come afterwards. And so he begins to teach and preach to these, to these people. And the Bible says that 3,000 people were added to the church that day. 3,000 people. Wow. See, when real connection is there, God can show up. When, God, when people are gathered together in real connection, in one common goal, God can show up. 3,000 people, that's a logistical nightmare. You know, I mean, how do you get these people like into groups and all this stuff, you know, making sure they're growing? So they weren't worried about all that stuff. But the church was added to that day. And we see that the church, as it grew, came under great persecution. And the thing that kept these people strong was community. It was connection with each other that kept these people strong. Guys, this is still going on today. Okay? In our American society, we don't see this. We're very privileged to be able to come into this room together today. But there are people all over the world that are not nearly as privileged. They're still living in this right here. Okay? So we need to get our minds around that. It's not just here, what we see. But the church is still very much under persecution. You see, guys, we're really at war. A war of our very souls. This is a spiritual battle. It's not a physical war, but a spiritual war. Paul wrote about this. He says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world. He says this in Ephesians 6 and 12. Peter says that we're in a war for our souls, 1 Peter 2 and 11. You know, in a boxing match, it's a one-on-one -on -one duel. You know, it's one-on-one, it's -on -one, one boxer against the other, but, and that's just a battle. But in a war, it's a whole nation fighting together. It's a whole nation coming together to fight together for one common goal. And the thing is, is, we are that. We are a group of people that are fighting together. We are fighting for sanctification, and that is not an individual fight. It is one we fight as a community. As you're on the spiritual journey of life, and guess what? It never ends until we die. But we're on this spiritual journey together. There are three things in which we need to accomplish while we're on this journey together. We're going to look at them together, and, and actually you see them every week because we have them plastered on a big wall out there when you walk in in big, bold letters. Number one. We have to love God. And knowing that, we have to know God, not just about Him. You see, it's a relationship. It's a, a real relationship. It's not just enough to know about Jesus, but we must know Jesus in a real relationship. You know, if, if you've come into this place today, and maybe you've, you've been here for, for years, and you've been coming here for just a little while, maybe this is your first day. If you don't know Jesus, that's the first step that I pray that you would take before you would leave this place today. You've, guys, there is no greater decision. There is no greater decision 
don't leave this place because there is a war going on for you. You don't see it. You don't know it. But it is. And there's people here that would love to pray with you and love on you. Don't, don't leave this place. Don't wait for your, till you're a little older or a little younger, which that doesn't happen. I mean, we're not getting younger, okay? Uh, don't wait for some special moment. Guys, guess what? You create that moment. The moment becomes special at the very moment you decide to make that step. You know, this is a relationship. And some of you, maybe you've kind of walked away from that relationship. You, you made the initial decision to be, you know, to enter into this relationship, but you've walked away from it. You know, if, if I don't talk to one of my friends for a while, what happens? That relationship kind of veers off to the side. I don't, I'm not in tune with who they are and their desires and their dreams and, and how I can be there for them. The same thing is our relationship with Jesus. If we're not spending time in prayer, spending time and reading the word and, and being present in that relationship, and that relationship is slowly dwindling away and you, and you feel this, you feel that you're, you're kind of losing it. Guys, guess what? Jesus has always been there. He's always still interceding to the Father for you. Read Romans 8 and 34 if you don't believe me. He's never changed. He doesn't vary. And some of you, maybe you need to come to realization, you know what, I need to come back to Jesus and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for abandoning our relationship. You've been there for me. Guess what? He never holds a grudge. 100% confident in that. He never holds a grudge. Number two, on this spiritual journey that we need to accomplish to have real connection is loving people. Get into community with people and grow together. You know, we say this all the time. Spiritual growth happens best in the context of relationships. Spiritual growth happens best in community groups because of relationship. It's in community groups that you take the mask off. Vulnerability happens in you and others. And you're able to be real. Encouragement happens. You're encouraged and you have the opportunity to encourage others. You dive into scripture together. The living, breathing word of, God, word of God. This is not just some book. This is not just some book. How many of you ever read a scripture many times and you go back to it and you're in a different situation in life you read the same scripture and you see something totally different? No other book can do that, okay? So this is not a book. This is God's living, breathing word. And the Spirit speaks through it to each and every one of us. In community groups, you're able to have your friends pray for you and you for them. Oh, what connection that happens between you. God and your friends, because God is at the center of the relationship. You're held accountable for the things you're facing or struggling with. And you have the opportunity to be there for your friends as well. Jesus makes this point to his disciples when he's speaking with them at the Last Supper. And he tells them in John 13, 34, says, A new command I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. But this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
And saying this, he calls us to love one another in ways that can be seen by only men so that they know we live this way because of Jesus. Our primary purpose in community is not that our needs are being met. It's not. But that Jesus would be lifted up. It is not that we aren't being blessed by that love we share for one another, but that we experience our greatest joy when Jesus is most glorified. That's real connection. You know, uh, there was a couple back in the late 70s and early 80s who started this um, young adult Sunday school class. Community group is kind of what we would call it here. Started this young adult Sunday school class and started with a, with a group of about 30 people who were in the same walk of life together. Uh, this, was a, this was an older couple, and they were kind of taking this mentoring role on. And the guy was a gifted teacher. Uh, God had gifted him with the gift of teaching. Took it very, very seriously. And the lady was given a gift of just being able to connect and relate with people and just be there like a mother-type figure. And this group stayed together for six, seven, eight years and just the spiritual growth that happened in each and every one of them was just amazing. Many of the in that group went on to be pastors or teachers themselves, deacons in their church, elders. Begin to just grow in, in their gifts that God had given them. And just great, um, just great human beings. And actually, out of this group of people, those 30... Out of that 30, all those have been some of the most influential people in my life today. You see, because the, the couple that started that group was actually my grandparents. And I got to, for one, as a young child, see my grandfather, when you'd go over to visit, and if he was studying for his Sunday school class, you didn't interrupt him. He was very much engaged in the Word and study. He... He was glad you were there, but we'll talk after I'm done. Or if I find a good spot to stop, then, then we'll talk and hang out. But until then, I'm focused. I have to be prepared for my group tomorrow or whenever it was. And then my grandmother, whenever you sit down with her, it's just like a mom, just sitting there loving on people. doesn't matter who you are. And they used their gifts that God had given them to grow the church, to grow people. They took on this mentoring role to grow people. Guys, some of you have those same gifts, but yet you've set on them and you continue to set on them. Some of you, maybe God's even stirring some of those gifts in you, and yet you're fighting them. But I look at the fruit of what happened. They're, they still teach Sunday school today. Until he quits breathing, I believe he will. Because he knows the importance of it. My grandfather does. And the thing is, guys, it's worth investing in people. It's worth growing yourself. To put yourself out there and say, I'm willing to step up and be a mentor. I'm willing to step up and grow in this teaching role. Even though I may not have it all figured out. Guess what? If you have it all figured out, I don't need you. Okay? I don't need you. Don't come see me because you're off somewhere else. 
we're not growing together. Guess what, guys? I don't know everything. I don't know all this, and I never will. I never will. We're all growing together, and that's what this is about. It's about coming together in community together and growing together. In teaching, it's not about knowing all the right answers. It's about being willing and obeying and being a vessel to be used. thing is, guys, the Spirit of God gives you those gifts. He gives you those gifts. You have them on the inside of you. And some of you maybe haven't been in community. Maybe you've been, if I, as I was talking about that relational poverty, you're like, I'm there. Like, I feel so alone right now. And I have been lost in this. And I'm tired of it. Guys, get in a group of people. Get in with a group of people in community. Whether that's a community group as a home group or a men's study, or a, a women's study, whatever it looks like, get in something and start growing and building relationships and finding those real connections to grow together. Let's look at this last part as we're growing together and walking on this spiritual journey. Serve the world. Discover your gifts and go. I've hit on this a little bit already. In 1 Peter 4 and 10, Peter writes, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. I just said that. God has given each one of you a variety of gifts from all of his gifts that he has. Use them well to serve one another. God has given each of you spiritual gifts. Let's just look at 1 Corinthians 12. Turn over there real quick. 1 Corinthians 12. Let's look at verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but, in the same, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the Spirit gives a message of knowledge. The same Spirit gives faith, gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the, the Spirit of God or from other, another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Guys, we all have special gifts. You can go on down here. You can talk about in the rest of this and read about the many parts, that the body is made up of many parts. We are the body. We're made up of many parts. We all have to have all these parts working together. Some of you, it's time to step up and step out and get into this one and start allowing God to use these gifts he's given you. Did you know that in... The New Testament, two-thirds of the commands that Paul gives in the New Testament end with the phrase, one another. Did you know that? 
They end with the phrase, one another. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Spur one another on. You see, we are built for community and real connection. That's what he's saying. He's like, listen, you should be around people, spurring one another on, encouraging. Saying, listen, go for it. Encouraging them, being there to pray for one another. Being there to hold each other, being able to hold one another up when one person is struggling. Being there to cheer someone on when things are going great. We're there for one another. That's what the beauty of community is. This is what our walk with God looks like. In its simplicity, this is what a lifelong journey with Jesus looks like. Love God, love people, serve the world. It just continues and repeats. It never stops. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28 and 19, he said, go and make other disciples. He didn't say, become the best disciple you can be. He said, no. He said, go and make other disciples. Go and teach. Use these gifts that are the, whole, the Spirit will give you. He's going to give you authority in these. You can look all through the New Testament and see how people have done this, and how the church has accomplished this and kept moving forward. The mission has stayed constant. How the mission has was accomplished has stayed, has moved and changed constantly. It's looked different. It's changed. The church and how things are presented nowadays are different than maybe how you were growing up years ago. The songs may be a little different. The way things are structured may be a, a little different. But it's still accomplishing the mission. And the mission is making disciples. Let me tell you two things that we will do as a church. This is, the, this is me as one of the pastors telling you this. There are two things that we're going to do. Here at Word of Grace, we will always change. We will always change. Here's the reason why Craig Rochelle says it best. The greatest threat to future, future success is past success. The greatest threat to future success is past success. Hey, I like the way things are going right now. This is good. Let's just kind of, you know, stay like that. You know, let's just kind of stay like this. This is good, guys. You know, I mean, growth, that kind of comes with a lot of different things. You know, that's kind of, that could be ugly. You know, more people. It's kind of, you know, I kind of like my little group here. It's great. I'm glad you like your group. Invite more people to join your group. Growth. We will always change. We'll always look at new ways to do things. That's our job. That's our job. Number two, community groups. We've hit on these things. We've talked about community groups a little bit. But from here forward, community groups will be the lifeblood of our church from this point forward. Community groups will be the lifeblood of our church from this point forward. We will not rest until everyone that attends Word of Grace is in a community group. That means you. <laughs> oh, man. There is no one excluded from this. Who's in some type of community with other believers in this church. Why? Because each and every one of you are worth it. Each and every one of you are worth it. And if I've got to sit there and hound you about being in a community group, I will. Why? Because I do not want to see you 
in relational poverty. I don't want to see you stuck in just going through the same cycle of having to feeling alone. Because we are built for community and connection, guys. Let me give you a couple of action steps this week. Number one, this week, evaluate where you are on your journey with God based off of this metric. Love God, love people, serve the world. This week, evaluate where you're at. Be honest with yourself. Sit down, journal a little bit. Take a few minutes. Evaluate where you're at. What are you doing well at? What are you lacking in? Then write down action steps that will help you get healthy in all of these areas. If you're feeling alone, not in the community group, that's a great place to start. It's a great place to start. If you feel like God is spurring something inside of you that you're like, I had this gift to teach, but I don't know what to do with it. And I feel like God's spurring me on. There's some action steps you need to take. Number one, you need to talk to me. We're all growing together, but it's an, on an individual level that you need to take this. Number two, evaluate what the gifts are that God has given you and ask yourself if you are using those gifts to the fullest. Also, are you growing in those? Are you growing in those? Are you making them better? Are you making them better? Are you growing in that? I'm speaking to you guys today. I'm growing in that. Well, the accountability thing, me and Pastor Eric talked about it. Are we growing? Or are we trying to get better? Here's the thing. We come here each week. We hear great sermons. We hear great teaching. The question I ask you is, do you leave here and actually do homework on that during the week? Do you actually sit down and go, how does this apply to me? What are the notes that I took? How can I implement, in this, implement these notes into my life? What are the tweaks maybe I need to change or, or make in my life to see that I'm, a, I'm growing as a disciple of Jesus? What are the things that I need to do? What are the things I need to grow in? Guys, it's, it's, it's great that we get to come and hear great teaching every week. But just coming here and great teaching and leaving and doing nothing is not going to ever help you grow. It's gonna, you're going to come and you're going to go, check Religious duty done. This is not a religious duty. This is not a religious duty, guys. This is not just a check you make each week. This is a growing process that we're on. All together that we're on. In Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, Paul wrote this. We're almost done. Christ gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. You see, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. There are some of you that God has been dealing with that you need to step up into a, one of these roles in the future. God's been dealing with you. It's time to start moving in that direction and stop wrestling with God. I believe whenever I was putting this sermon together, I, I felt that stronger than ever. But there's some of you who've been sitting here, you've been wrestling with some of these decisions. You're like, I feel like either God's calling me to teach or to be a pastor or something. Like God's been moving in my heart, but yet I don't know what to do with it. 
Guys, you need to start moving forward. If you've been sitting here this morning and maybe the Spirit's been just dealing with you and tugging on you, you begin to realize maybe there's some pieces that I'm missing on this connection type thing. Maybe there's some pieces I'm missing. Maybe I do need to get more connected. Maybe I do need to take on a mentoring role. Maybe I've just, you know what? I've had tons of people pour into me over the years to teach me. And yet, all I have done is set on that knowledge. You know what? I'd say shame on you. Shame on you for doing that. Because you are robbing someone else. The person who poured into you would say the same thing. Shame on you. Because I spent my life pouring into you so that you would know the truth and so that you could pour into others. It's not just something that stops with you. It's not just about you. Okay? You grow in the process. But it's about continuing this. It's about adding to the church daily. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.